1: It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so happy you could be with me today. We have got none other than this fantastic, wonderful, beautiful man named Neil Donald Walsh. And as you all know, he has written three phenomenal Conversations with God books. But the last one he wrote was actually 18 years ago. So he just wrote book four. And I'm so excited to talk to him about it because he's got a whole slew of things in this book called Conversations with God, book four, that addresses what's going on with humanity right now, as well as ETs. Wow. Wow. This is going to be a terrific show, so I want you to just settle back, relax, get a cup of coffee or a beverage, and listen to this magnificent gentleman revealed why he decided to come forward after 18 years and write Conversations with God, Book 4. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned.
0: That's lawofattractionmagazine.net.
1: Well, welcome, Neil Donald Walsh, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Oh my goodness, it's so wonderful to see you.
0: Well, thank you. It's nice to be here with you. Thank you for the invitation.
1: I am so excited to be talking to you about your latest book, which is Conversations with God, Book Four. And you haven't really, well, you haven't written another book on Conversations with God for 18 years. And I am so delighted.
0: Well, so am I. It was a surprise to me. I didn't expect that there would be any more full length, you know, book length uh, conversations with God. Of course, my experience of being in conversation with God, like that of all of us, Uh, continues every day. God made it very clear to me, of course, that I'm not the only one on the planet who's having this experience. God says I I talk to everyone all the time. The question is not to whom do I talk, the question is who is listening. But I did not expect to have a full length, a book length conversation with God anymore. I I thought that particular experience uh, had concluded in my life with the books I had so far written. But on the 2nd of August, last August, I was awakened in the middle of the night with that same old familiar feeling. I hadn't had the feeling in almost 20 years, uh, but I knew the feeling well. It was a feeling that something really large needed and wanted to come through, that something was arising uh, in message form uh, from God to humanity. So I threw back the covers, raced down to my computer, and began simply writing. uh, The first thing, if I could put it that way, the first thing that came to my mind And what emerged uh, after doing that for several days, for about uh, three and a half weeks, every day for about, oh, seven or eight or nine hours, for three and a half weeks, was the full-length book, Conversations with God, book four, colon, Awaken the Species. And so I've uh, published it, or allowed it to be published, by uh, Rainbow Ridge, my publisher. And um, I'm very excited to see that it uh, is now out there in the world, and, and people are reading it by the thousands.
1: I, I'm i so grateful, and I love the the subtitle of it, Awakening, because... The
0: subtitle, I, is, actually, the subtitle is actually Awaken the Species. Right. Conversations with God, book four, Awaken the Species.
1: And I think that's so important right now in this day and age. There's things going on in the world that everything is really coming into the forefront and um i think that this is the reason why is that we've got to learn how to adapt and change
0: i don't uh i'm going to quarrel just as, uh, with a gentle uh, argument about the word uh, uh learn how we've not really as conversations as God has told us in all the books we're not really here to learn anything but actually to remember what we've always mm-hmm. known To remember who we really are but I think in the larger point you're making you're very accurate the world is (laughs) falling apart right now all over the place uh, on our on our right and on our left nothing is working the way we thought it would work nothing is uh, working the way we intended it to function uh, to produce a better life for all of us our political systems are not doing that our Mm -hmm. economic systems are not doing that Uh, our the environmental systems are not doing that. Our educational systems are not doing that, and sadly, our our spiritual systems are also not producing a better life for all of us. In fact, they're producing exactly the opposite. So we now are confronted with a vivid demonstration of uh, who we may not be choosing to be, unless we do. It, you know, it's it's up to us. But we are now at a choice point, and as Book Four, Awaken the Species, makes it very clear. Uh, this is the perfect time for the advancement uh, of humanity's evolution because the conditions are ripe for our noticing them. You know, years ago, we could have had some of these things going on here and there and everywhere, but we we really wouldn't notice them the way we're noticing them now because of the ubiquitous nature of the Internet, of other forms of communication, cable television, and so forth. We, We literally can't get away. Even on our telephones, we see the apps on our phones. Yes. And brings us a minute-to-minute account of what's going on around the world. So it's virtually impossible now for us to ignore what we might have been able to more easily ignore 15, 20, or 25 years ago. So for those reasons, this is, in fact, the perfect time for our advancement as we are confronted with and presented with conditions and circumstances that allow us to make a clear choice. Is this who we are? Is this who we choose to be?
1: Wow. Wow. That is exactly what we all need to hear right now. Um, so l- let me, that's the important message of the book then,
0: is... There are many important messages. The, the, the second important message is not only is this the perfect time for our advancement, but we are not alone uh, in this ah. process. In fact, we are being assisted by uh, entities from another dimension, that is uh, entities from what we would call, you know, uh, off this planet, Some people call it, you know, aliens from outer space. Call them what you want. Uh, They're not really aliens in the sense of, you know, Martians walking among us, but they are other sentient beings who exist interdimensionally, who have been assisting us, and all the sentient beings, all of the uh, entities in the universe who have been assisting uh, those entities in their evolutionary process, and they're doing that now. They want us to know that we're really not alone if we will simply listen to the inspirations that we're receiving in many forms, in the form, in fact, of books, of movies, of television programs, and many other ways uh, that these ideas are being said to us.
1: Right, you know, uh, and I've noticed a lot of the movies are like The Hunger Games. Oops, we lost your video for a second. Did we lose you? There we go. Okay, that's okay. We can edit that, that's perfect. Um, I was saying what I noticed is that there's movies such as The Hunger Games that really depict what's going on right now. There's other movies like The Matrix, The Red and The Blue Pill. It's really fascinating that it's all coming together. We're getting all of these signs and messages strictly about waking up.
0: Yes, and the only question is, whether we're going to pay attention to those messages uh, or continue to ignore them. One of the sad aspects of the human experience is that we tend to look directly in the face of every evidence we could possibly ask to see, every evidence we could possibly ask to be placed before us about what works and what doesn't work uh, in the living of our lives. Mm. Nevertheless, having uh, been confronted and and presented with all of that evidence, we do exactly the opposite. <laughs> And, and uh, that, that's something that we're going to have to either turn around, uh, or find ourselves facing in a very unpleasant way. You know, for like, as an example, mm-hmm. uh, we know that it doesn't work. It's demonstrably not effective. Uh, if we want to create a a, a life, uh, offspring, children free of violence and rage. If we place them in front of vivid depictions of violence and rage during their most impressionable years, obviously it doesn't work. Yet we do it consistently. We put them in front of television programs, actually take them to movies with tons of violence in them. We let them play video games that are all about violence, killing, and war. Mm-hmm. We even give them toys to go out in the backyard and play with, plastic plastic machine guns that sound every bit like the real thing. And then we wonder why when they're 7, 8, 9, 10, 18, and 20, they behave the way they're behaving with such violence. We say, gosh, where could they, where could they have gotten such an idea? <laughs> uh, just, that's just one example. We, uh, there are tons of examples. We know that poisoning ourselves, our own bodies with you know carcinogens you know with stuff that we inhale or or stuff that we drink by the gallon you know deadening nerve deadening liquids we know that that doesn't work this has been demonstrated across many 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 years but we do it anyway and we know that if what we want is a world that's a, a peaceful world a world filled with joy and love violence does not work we know that it's already been demonstrated but we continue to do it anyway so we're we're really, we're really living Albert Einstein's terrible acknowledgement that doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get a different result, is the definition, the classic definition of insanity.
1: That it is. Could we go back to your higher evolved beings or H.E.B.s that you rep- uh, that you talk about in your book? There in a different dimension can you explain dimension to us what does that mean
0: a different level of experience a different level of uh, expression uh, life expresses it in many different dimensions in the physical dimension and in the metaphysical uh, dimension among others and, and uh, that's what what i mean is that and we we actually move back and forth by the way between those dimensions we do the thing called dream and dreaming is simply a movement of the soul from one dimension of the expression of life to another. We do it through the process that we call life and death as well. On Earth, we call the physical dimension life, and the metaphysical, or if you please, the spiritual dimension, we call that death or the so-called after-death experience. But it's really all the same thing. A rose by any other name is still a rose. So we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the fact that life exists in the cosmos interdimensionally. We are actually moving interdimensionally uh, through the eternality of our own individual existence and there are other beings who are moving interdimensionally just as we are and they are assisting us because they're highly advanced beings highly evolved beings who know what it is that we truly desire but they also know that we're very young we're a very young species i mean given the age of the cosmos we've been here several million years, and the Earth itself has been, we're told, 3.5 billion years, uh, but uh, uh, given the age of the cosmos, that still is, believe it or not, uh, just the blink of an eye, just a flicker of an eyelash. Um, we are told that, that if we took the age of the Earth and put it on top of a calendar year, just for purposes of scale so we could understand things, If we took the age of the Earth and overlaid it on one calendar year, the first form of single-cell life did not even appear on this planet until the middle of February. More sophisticated life forms, fishes in the sea, birds in the air, didn't appear until November. Dinosaurs didn't appear until the 25th of December. They didn't, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the 7th of December. They didn't disappear until the 25th of December. And humanoids, human beings that walked on two legs and so forth, didn't appear until the 31st of December and get this, on that scale, all that has happened in human history has taken place in the last 30 seconds of the year. Now, that's how young we are in relationship to the earth, forget about the cosmos. So highly evolved beings understand that we are really emerging infants uh, of the universe and they are assisting us in growing into ourselves. And becoming the next grandest version of the greatest vision ever we held about who we are.
1: So then we're at that very immature level right now. And they're helping us to grow into adulthood.
0: That's exactly what I just said. There must be an echo in here.
1: (laughs) That is wonderful. I loved how you put that. That is great. So... How are they communicating with us, with you? How are they helping? How are we aware? Are are they helping us with our connection to the energy of all that is? Yes.
0: The answer to to that question is yes, in my understanding. Uh, One of the ways they're helping us is by inserting, if you please, to use simple human terminology, thoughts, ideas, concepts, notions, philosophies, understandings, comprehensions, by, by placing those thought energies, if you will, in the uh, cosmic consciousness, in the in the stream, in, in the collective conscious, what Carl Jung called the collective unconscious. And we reach up into the collective unconsciousness uh, 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 periodically, we call that, I just got an idea. I just had a great idea. And in fact, you did just have a great idea. You had a great idea that you may never have thought of before. And out of that great idea comes a a, a play script or a movie script or um, a new invention, a new technology, a medical advance, a scientific a, a forward movement, uh, or even for that matter, a religious, a new spiritual idea as well. So that's one way that, uh, that Heidi higher beings are assisting us by placing in the collective unconscious. Notions, ideas, concepts, and awarenesses uh, that we can reach into uh, that collective unconscious for and bring them down as part of our own experience. So but there's another, they, there's another, well, for, forgive me, there's another way as well uh, that uh, Heidi of all beings are helping us, and that is every so often, not, not to, uh, frequently, but I'm told every several thousand years or so, one of them may even physicalize on the earth, that is take physical form from birth through death uh, and appear as a regular normal human being, but modeling, that is, exemplifying, demonstrating behaviors that other so-called normal human beings are not demonstrating. By demonstrating what highly evolved beings consider to be behaviors that make total sense uh, and that and that uh, demonstrate who and what they really are. So every so often we'll see a model An exemplar, if you please, moving across the human scene and demonstrating to us what it would be like if we all chose to be highly evolved beings. In the book, uh, Conversations with God, Book 4, Awaken the Species, I was given a list of 16, 16, specific behavioral differences between an awakened species and humans living in an unawakened state.
1: Really? Can you share some of those?
0: I'd be happy to. I was told that an awakened species sees the unity of all of life and lives into it, whereas an unawakened state, people in an unawakened state often deny it uh, or ignore it completely. An awakened species tells the truth, always. Humans in an unawakened state too often lie to others and even, if you believe it, to themselves. An awakened species says one thing and will do exactly what they say. Humans living in an unawakened state often say one thing and do another. An awakened species sees what is so and does what works. And as I explained a little while ago, an unawakened species can look right into the face of what is so and do what does not work as if they didn't see the evidence. An awakened species never poisons itself. An unawakened species does so regularly. An awakened species never competes. An unawakened species finds itself in a state of competition frequently. Mm. An awakened species is clear that it needs nothing. Humans living in an unawakened state often create a need-based experience that they call love. It's not really love. What it is is a trade relationship. I will trade you this if you trade me that. And then on Valentine's Day, they try to find the perfect Valentine's Day card. My dearest, darling, wonderful person, I trade you very much. I trade you so much I will never stop trading you. But if you stop trading me, the deal is off and the game is over uh, and the relationship has ended. So these are some of the differences. And there's a whole list of 16 of those differences that that make a highly evolved being able to live in a state of peace and joy and serenity and wonderful expression of their true identity at all times. And when we simply take that list of 16 behaviors and embrace them as part of our everyday life, we can become transformed virtually overnight overnight.
1: Wow. Oh, wow. That is powerful. Now, you said that you do not channel, and you've already mentioned this at the beginning, you do not channel God, and everybody has that communication with God. But could you tell us, what is your definition of God?
0: Well, it's easier to say what God is not than to say what God is. People are always asking me, what is God? What is your definition of God? Actually, I can tell you what my definition of God is not, and that's nothing. The word nothing encompasses everything that God is not. That is, there is nothing that God is not. God is all that is, all that was, all that ever will be. God is the sum total, the essential essence, the perfect and pure energy, uh, the all in all, if you please. So God is life, expressing as life, in life, through life itself. That is God, and God is the sum total of all of it that can therefore take and shape itself in any way that it wishes, and, and it will shape itself in whatever form it believes, we can most easily receive it. So for some people, God will in fact show up as a as a man in the sky with a beard and long hair and a white robe, or perhaps a woman, a female version of that, uh, as in the earlier days of humanity's experience on the earth, uh, but, but uh, in any any form at all that God chooses to uh, show up in, God will do so if it indicates that it will be easily accepted and understood uh, by a human being. Wow! So God is really, you know, all of us, everything. There's nothing that's not God. Now, if the, the magic of that awareness. By the way, God put this in a single sentence or a single phrase, at least, in in conversations with God. She said, all things are one thing. There is only one thing, and all things are part of the one thing there is. If we understood that functionally, not conceptually, not theoretically, but functionally, that is, if we lived into that, as highly evolved beings do, then we would treat every other entity, every other aspect of life, for that matter, as if it was divinity singularized, divinity individuated, divinity expressed as a specific uh, and uh, particular form of life. So we would love everything, even as we claim to love God, we would love each other, of course, but even beyond that, we would love the trees, the grass, and the wind, the air, the rain, the elements, the Earth, of course, we don't we don't treat the Earth as if we love the Earth, much less do we treat each other in that way. Unless we are treated that way by others, but as soon as the trade is off, then the trade is over. So if we're not getting out of what we think we should get out of the relationship, we are in fact getting out of the relationship. Uh, that's not what pure love is really all about. God doesn't get out of her relationship with us because we are not giving him what he, he, we think he, he, he wants from us. Of course, he wants nothing. There's nothing that God wants from us because he needs nothing, and she has everything that she could possibly have in any event because God is the all-in-all so we see we have a total misunderstanding. You know, I once wrote a book a couple of years ago called God's Message to the World, You've Got Me All Wrong. And that really summarizes the entire message of a conversations with God. Wow.
1: But our, what's wrong with humanity right now would be that we're lacking that connection
0: to God. Well, some of us are. Uh,
1: some of us are. Th- that's well
0: true. Uh, and and we're, we're not ready, in fact, again, not to quarrel with words, but just to be uh, word-specific and to be careful with our vocabulary. We're not really lacking that connection, but we may be lacking our experience of it. Ah. Even, even as you may have your television set in your living room, but it's not working unless you turn the power on. But it's it's there. You can't say, I lack television programs in my life because they're all over they're all over your TV set. But you do have to go over there and turn it on or use your remote uh, and turn it on. So if you don't turn on to God, you will lack your experience of your connection to the divine. But the connection is always there. The question is whether you are experiencing it.
1: And sometimes we have to be desperate enough to even want to or realize that we need the connection.
0: Like children, yes, like four-year-olds. That would, that would be, that, that's been my observation. And by the way, I don't mean that judgmentally. Let me say that very quickly here. I don't mean that as a judgment. That's been my experience of my own life. I mean, I, I didn't have that uh, experience of connecting with God until I reached a place of desperation in my own life. But when I finally got to that place of desperation where I was in a box canyon and there was no way out and nowhere to go, I finally fell to my knees almost literally and cried out to God, you know, what is it you want from me? What, what do you need from me? What does it take to make life work? And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing, ongoing struggle? And God said, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked those questions. You're ready to take down some answers because I can give them to you. And I was filled with answers that I began to take down in my yellow legal pad that I happened to have on a coffee table in front of me. This was all happening, by the way, at 4.23 in the morning. And, and, I, and I began taking down uh, the thoughts that I was hearing. And the rest is history. By the way, I never, I never anticipated, never intended for anything that I was experiencing to be made public. I was not attempting to write a book. I did not sit down to write a book. I was simply having a, a personal, very private experience, middle of the night experience. Many of us have had those moments, middle of the night moments of journaling in my personal diary. But at one point in the journaling, this went on, by the way, for many weeks. And while I was awakened at 4.23 in the morning over and over again to and urged, encouraged to get back to my journal. And at one point, after many, many, many pages of handwritten notes, I was told this will one day become a book. And I thought, wow, now, now I got you. Now I got you. Because that was measurable. And the other comments that I was receiving were all, you know, concepts, theories, you know, even mythologies at, at some level. But here was a, an actual statement of fact, this will one day become a book, either it would or it wouldn't. And, and by that measure, I could determine whether or not the experience I was having had any validity at all. So I typed up, had my notes typed up and sent them to a publisher. Now, listen, I'm a grown man. I understand perfectly well that there aren't very many publishers who are going to take a manuscript written by an unpublished, unheard of author somewhere in Oregon who says, hey, I'm talking to God. And, you know, they're going to publish such material that, that would that the chances of that happening, I understood, were one in a gazillion. But in fact, in fact, a publisher read the material. He had the patience to read a few pages. And he said, you know what? This is fascinating stuff, and the rest, as they say, is publishing history. He put the book out; it wind up wound up selling over a million copies, being translated into uh, thirty seven languages, and uh, shared around the world.
1: Wow! You know, I remember when it first came out in the, at my Unity Church bookstore. And it was the talk of this huge church and everybody had to have this book. And I remember, and it was like the desperation ceased. The connection began with all of these people through you. Many millions of people have gotten to this place where they can finally connect or at least understand how to connect. And that's wow wow what a fabulous gift to the world you are
0: well not not me uh guys talking to all of us all the time i was simply one of many many instruments uh one of many many funnels if you please through which that message has been given to all of humanity uh, and and others by the way having received the message immediately turned around and passed it on uh, just to give you an example the the ministers of many of the churches not not a dozen but several hundred churches in the united states alone Forget about the rest of the world. We're actually passing it on, mentioning it to their congregation, sharing it with those that they loved, and then people who were reading it were likewise passing it on. It was one of the highest pass onable, what they call hand to hand books, in the in the publishing business, in the publishing uh, in history history of publishing. So it wasn't just me. I I, I was you know, instrumental in getting it out there in the first instance. Fair enough, but. Thousands and thousands of people were handing it out to other people almost instantly. So it was a collective effort of the collective itself.
1: Wow. And uh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It really helped humanity to evolve faster. But I do want to go back to these um, highly evolved beings. It is are they by chance from other planets or i know you explained the dimension but could they be uh, in, my, ETs?
0: my my understanding is that they're not necessarily extraterrestrials in the classic sense that we think of them as physical entities from some planet you know in in uh in the uh, in in the universe uh from the planet zeon or whatever <laughs> my understanding is that they are um Interdimensional entities that 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 can physicalize and do physicalize anywhere on any solid sphere in the universe, and they, and they do in fact physicalize throughout the cosmos from time to time, as a means of as I mentioned earlier, modeling or demonstrating uh, the highest opportunities and the highest uh, awarenesses, the highest consciousness, and and the highest capabilities of uh, physical entities who come to know and understand who they really are.
1: So I have heard reports of these beings um, actually stopping wars, stopping the bombs, stopping the nuclear um, things that are going to happen. Is that, can they do things like that? I mean, are... Are we doomed or can we just go forward and hope that – do you know where I'm going with this, sir?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do, and and it's a very dangerous place. Uh, I I don't want people to feel that somehow uh, what they do, how we behave on the planet – uh, and how we move forward is almost, in a sense, irrelevant because these wonderful, highly evolved beings will stop any bad outcomes from occurring anyway. There, there is a law in the universe, as I understand it, and I, I think, by the way, that that um, the, the the people who re- write those science fiction movies, you know, uh, Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry, and all the rest, mm-hmm. I think they, I think they had it right when they talk about non-intervention, the universal law of non-intervention. That is, I don't think highly evolved beings actually somehow intervene physically and bring a halt to, or create for that matter, certain outcomes in the physical experience of any uh, species of, of um, sentient beings in the universe. That's, that's not part of uh, how it's done, if you please. How it's done is that um, energies are placed, as I said, into the sphere of the experience of uh, the Earthlings or the sentient beings elsewhere in the cosmos, and they respond to those energies in such a way uh, that they prevent themselves, they stop themselves from engaging in you know, the final act of ultimate destruction, whether it's a nuclear war or whatever it might be. But um, we, we do need to listen to those incoming energies. We do need to listen to those and, and embrace those ideas, because if we don't, uh, we do stand the uh, the, the risk of ending life as we know it. I don't, we're not going to render our species extinct. The book makes it very clear, book four, makes it very clear that we will not uh, render humanity extinct. But we may very well bring an end to life as we know it uh, currently on the earth. And so I don't think it's a good idea to think that we can rely on, oh, don't worry, don't worry. In the end, they'll take care of us. In the end, they'll stop whatever you know we're doing, and, and they won't let it happen. That's not their role. That is not even the role of God, for that matter. God's role is not to put an end to all bad things or the ultimate bad thing. God's role is to empower, fully empower, all of the sentient beings of the cosmos to be, do, and have what they choose to create. We have been given the gift of ultimate, unlimited creation. We can create anything we wish, including our own collective demise. That's important for us to understand.
1: Wow. That's powerful right there. So what is our next step? I know what you're saying is that it's time that we take responsibility. We um, need to be responsible for our own actions, our own thoughts. But where, where should, what direction should we be going?
0: I think we have the opportunity to create critical mass, and that's the the direction that I believe we can be going. I don't think it's the direction that we should be going, because there's nothing we should or should not be doing. But the invitation from the universe, and the invitation that's clearly placed before humanity in this book, Conversations with God, book four, Awaken the Species. The invitation in that book from God is, in fact, to awaken the species. And how God suggests we can awaken the species is by self-selecting. That is by choosing ourselves to be among those who wishes to be an exemplar, to embrace the notions of what it means to be a highly evolved, totally awakened person, and to demonstrate that. So we no longer have to count on one person every several thousand years to demonstrate it. But some, uh, but, but but that's but that somehow we all become exemplars. We all become, if you please, to use religious terms, the savior of humanity. We all become that person that that uh, Blessed One, that demonstrates what it means to be highly evolved and fully awakened. And by, by that means, we create a critical mass. Critical mass, by the way, is not one more than half. It's not like 51%. It's not even 25%. It's not even 10%. In fact, it's not even 5%. We are told that critical mass of any whole is somewhere between 25 and 4% of the whole. When we get to between 25 and 4% of the of people that populate the Earth, of humanity, if you will, we then will turn over, topple over the first domino. The snowball will start rolling downhill, and we will have created a critical mass such that uh, the ideas uh, that we are embracing become commonly held by the largest number of people on the earth. So, the way for us to move right now is to self select, to say, you know what? I am going to self select. I'm choosing myself to be one of those who wishes to send a message to everyone whose life I touch and they to them and they to others and those to others and so forth to create that ripple in the water effect. And by the way, don't think that that doesn't have an impact because it does. We've just had elections uh, in this country and elsewhere in the world. Brexit in England and in France, there's an election coming up. That's how change occurs, by the way, just in that way. Ordinary people gathering together with with a particular idea. The only question is not whether ordinary people can do that, the question is, what shall be the idea that drives them forward? Are the ideas that are now being embraced by humanity collectively, the ideas that we want to have us drive our our experience forward? Or do we have a different idea, perhaps a new way to be human? Is it possible, just possible, that there's something we don't fully understand here about God and about life and about ourselves the understanding of which would change everything. That's the question of the hour. That's the question of the day. And so when you ask what direction should we go in, I would say that my answer is the book tells us that the direction, the direction that humanity can, is now invited to go in is the direction of answering that question. Is there something we don't fully understand here about God and about life? the understanding of which could change everything, and if there is, what is that? What does it look like to embody it, to embrace it, to be an exemplar of that new idea? Every spiritual master who has walked the face of the earth has answered that question with the living of their own life. We now have an opportunity to do that, all of us, by simply saying, I self-select. By the way, people who might have an interest in engaging in this process can go to I have self a very simple website I have self com, which will give them an opportunity to join with others to join with thousands around the world who say you know what I'm in I'm all in let's go
1: wow. I'm going to put that link down at the bottom of the video so people can click on that and go. I mean, this is wonderful. And that way we are forming the the critical mass, the mass consciousness that will help us to fully evolve.
0: I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence, by the way, that the great celebration of, of, of uh, Catholic uh, Christian uh, um, spirituality is called the mass. Uh, the, I, I don't, think, oh, I don't wow. think that's critical. People people go to mass every Sunday if you're a Catholic, and uh, th- th- because uh, there's a certain level of understanding in all the world's great religions. By the way, let me make that clear. I, Neil Dalla Walsh, and conversations with God, do not say, do not claim, never said, that religions are doing it all wrong. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite a great deal of what religions are telling us and have been telling us for centuries is in fact right on the dot right on the money it's 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 accurate and wonderful the 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 challenge is that many of the religions are simply incomplete that is the data is is not full it's not complete data we've stopped ourselves from the process of learning and embracing more and more we are in, in a sense if i could use an analogy we are like children like children who have learned uh, their mathematics. They've learned to multiply and and they've learned to divide. They've learned to add and to subtract. And they think that's all there is to mathematics. But guess what? There's algebra and geometry and trigonometry and higher mathematics and more and more and more. But we think that because we know the basic elements that that's all there is to know. We're not wrong in what we know. We're simply incomplete. Religions aren't not wrong in what they're teaching us, for the most part. They're simply incomplete. But we have been loath to question it. We have been loath to say, is it possible? Is it just possible That there's something our religions have not been understanding yet and sharing with us yet in fullness, the understanding of which could change everything. I think the answer to that question can change the world. Talk about changing everything.
1: But let me, if I may, ask a question about that, because religions are tending to fight each other right now. There's violence in the religion Um, of all religions actually so how can we get beyond that
0: by changing the thoughts that undergird and that support and form the foundation of all of the world's great religions and and we can do that by creating critical mass around a new idea let me tell you what the idea is right now that no one in our world's great religions seems to want to challenge is the idea of separation See, see, we've, we've embraced on this earth what I call a separation theology. Conversations with God made this very clear to me. Said, so, Neil, Neil, the problem is humanity has embraced and fully adopted a separation theology. Now, a separation theology is a theology that says God's over there and we're over here and never the twain shall meet, except perhaps on Judgment Day when God will decide whether we are deserving to be reunited with her. But th- that's what we believe that in, in this separation theology. Now, th- that wouldn't be so bad if that's as far as it went, but that's not where it, where it ends. In fact, a separation theology inevitably produces a separation cosmology. That is a cosmological idea about life, even among those who don't believe in God, that says that everything is separate from everything else. And even that wouldn't be so terrible if it ended there, but it doesn't end there. Because the separation cosmology inevitably creates a separation psychology. That is, individual psyches that imagine that we are separate from each other, and of course from God. You know, even that wouldn't be so terrible if we could manage it, but it doesn't end there. Because a separation psychology inevitably produces a separation sociology, that is, entire societies and groups within entire societies, political parties and nations and states and religions and other groups that imagine themselves to be separate from every other group and imagine that their agenda is the agenda that they need and must serve. This is a tribal mentality. And even it doesn't end there, sadly enough, a separation sociology inevitably produces a separation pathology, pathological behaviors of self-destruction, obvious and apparent wherever we look from the beginning of time. So we have a problem here. We have a separation theology creating a separation cosmology, creating a separation psychology, creating creating a separation sociology, creating a separation pathology. The only way we turn it around is when we let go of our idea of separation and decide that God was right from the beginning. We are all one. There is only one thing and all things are part of the one thing there is. When I begin to treat every other human being and every other element of life as if it were part of me and I was part of it, everything changes overnight.
1: Wow. Wow, I'm sitting here absolutely mesmerized. I mean, I have never been (laughs) like this before. You are so brilliant. And the energy about you is so incredible. And this book is just just what we need
0: I hope so Uh, I don't think that I'm brilliant Uh, I I don't think that but I do think that I've been given uh, the ability to see into some things that we all have the ability to see into and to articulate uh, some of these thoughts that are being given to us and have been given to us by the way from the beginning of time nothing here that I'm saying is new I I haven't said a single new thing since you and I began our conversation nothing that I'm saying is new what might be new however is our willingness to embrace and to act on what we've been told for thousands and thousands of years
1: Mm. i get it we are all out of time but i just can't thank you enough wow wow thank you it's been such an honor to talk to you
0: well it's been an honor to talk with you as well and i appreciate the chance to share with you and for the many many people who you are bringing this information to Uh, this this particular message and if they have uh, would like to know more about it there is a website they can go to as well uh, to to connect with me personally and that would be cwgconnect.com again cwg of course stands for conversations with god so just go to cwgconnect.com and i'll see you there
1: great and this book is in um Where do we get the book? book Bookstore
0: all over the world. All all
1: over the world. Of course,
0: it's uh, another. Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. You can buy it online. It's all over the world now. Uh, The book is called Conversations with God. Book four, Awaken the Species.
1: Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to Jules at LOARadioNetwork.com and have a great week.